Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Michael Gallagher. Today is my last day as the sports reporter for the Nashville Post and the Nashville Scene, but you can still follow me on Twitter at MG Sports underscore. I thought it appropriate to, to do the show on Friday. Uh, also, it gave us a couple of games to react to, both losses, which we'll debate is a great thing or a bad thing for Predators fans. Um, you obviously talked a lot about your decision to, to leave and kind of some of your time with Gover, so I recommend it's all your fault. From the Nashville scene in the Nashville Post this week, I recommend it every week, but I would say definitely go check it out. Um, I do want to ask you one question about Predators coverage because I do like to get my my nerdy media questions into to everybody in the world. Um, I have a lottery draft lottery conspiracy I want to float by you today on the show. Uh, I have a vi- I have a vi- yeah I know you do I, you're going to be in on this one too, and Preds fans I think are going to be in on this one too. Um, I have a team I have settled for multiple reasons on one team in the Western Conference that I'm rooting for. And I think Predators fans need to come along with me on this journey rooting for one team in the Western Conference. We're going to adopt somebody together. It's kind of like me and my wife trying to pick out a dog. You know, We're going <laughs> to adopt a Western Conference team together for very specific reasons. Um, I got a couple of records, by the way, also that that are being chased in the NHL I want to touch on. And then the Nashville Post, and I love this, that this is like your last article for the Nashville Post and the Nashville scene because it's so Michael Gallagher. I love it uh, that you wrote the official Nashville Post top 10 prospects in the farm system. And it's kind of like a a season ending view of the of the top 10 because it's not going to change a ton between now and a couple of more weeks of hockey. So it does really look at what did, we're going to take a really strong look at what the Predators actually have in the farm system from an individual player basis. How did they do this year? How did the rankings change? And then what does that mean moving forward into the summer where where we've got, you know, 4,000 draft picks in Nashville uh, over the summer? So uh, lots of stuff to do today on the show. Um, and we'll get to some of your personal announcement news here in just a second. But just because you're leaving the national scene in the Nashville Post and you're still hosting this podcast, you have to tell everybody who it's brought to you by. It's brought to you by who? That would be Jaspers. I, I like that dramatic pause. <laughs> I was Wait, trying to think of something witty and clever in the moment. And I, I just woke <laughs> up like 40 minutes ago, so I got nothing. Way too. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did Margot Price at the Ryman on uh, Thursday night. She did not start until 945. Um, it was I mean, there were so many musicians in the crowd because it's like that's her crowd. But like, oh, she's so great. She's spectacular. She's like Dolly Parton force of nature. But my God, I'm 40 years old. I got two kids. I'm not used to getting home from concerts at like 1145. It's, it's not. Anyway, I digress. Go to Jasper's. <laughs> Uh, where you can watch this team, and we'll debate what you should or should not be rooting for uh, when we watch the team at Jasper's because you get $3 beers, $10 smash burgers, a uh, great place to go eat uh, to watch anything. You got the draft. You got the NCAA tournament coming up next week. You got the SEC tournament this weekend. So make sure you go check out Jasper's. Um, okay. So before we get into Pred stuff, they lose in, in, in shootout to Vancouver. They lose 4-1 to Arizona. And I think John Glennon might have said this in a tweet. They finally started looking like a team that was a seller at the deadline. Uh, and that's sort of how it felt. Luke Evangelista with a couple of goals uh, against Vancouver. So we'll get to that. But you announced on It's All all it's all It's Your Fault that that, been, that, that was going to be your last episode of that show. Let's reassure yes. people that you are not going anywhere on this product. You will be on this product uh, for at least the foreseeable future in the short term. We haven't decided what's going to happen long term, but you're going to be with us here for a while and you're staying in Nashville. Um, I had a question for you because you talked a lot about what you got to do on the beat. Um, you got to do I, you got to do so much stuff, basically, like c- covered like, I don't know, like 12 different sports. Uh, yeah. But I but I am curious because I want you to tell the story here. Um, it, it seems like the Predators and the NHL is is the only thing that you covered for the scene in the post that you truly want to keep kind of involved in your your career and in your life. And I'm just curious, what is it about? Like, I, I do think you enjoy this Predators franchise. Um, I think you're not a fan, but I think there are people you and I both root for. I just am curious why the Predators are the thing that you want to keep in your life. And I wanted you to tell the story in, in, in your, in your like work life, I should say. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, no one's ever really asked me that. So it's an interesting question. Um, so basically, I mean, today is my, my last official day at the post in the scene. I'm still employed there through the weekend. And then Monday I'll start my new job. Um, it's not like a big, huge ordeal or anything, but I've been 
freelancing with Yard Barker for the last six months, and that turned into a full-time position. Um, so I'll be covering the NFL for Yard Barker. I'll do some other stuff too, college football, baseball, a little bit of MMA, stuff like that. They're they're kind of like a an all-purpose site that covers mostly all the sports professional. Uh they're they're like a mix of like what Athlon Sports does, what Sports Illustrated does. They try to cover like the big breaking trending news and stuff like that. Um, so that will be my my main job going forward. Um I I don't want to announce my print stuff yet just because I they where I'm going, they haven't announced it. Right. So I want to be respectful of that. But I will I will have a platform to write red stuff and continue covering the team. Um, but yeah, I think it just goes back to early 2010s, I guess. Um, the, the first hockey game I ever went to was a Predators game. And I lived in Kentucky and my buddy was just getting into hockey and, and Nashville's only two hours away. And that was like the thing when you live there, because Kentucky is Kentucky and there's nothing to do there. You would <laughs> drive down to Nashville, uh, go to the bars, hang out with some people downtown go to a hockey game and it was just something fun to do. I remember the first game I ever went to, it was the blues versus the predators. And it was, it was, it was memorable for two reasons. One, it was the very first game I'd ever been to, but it was also like, there were no power plays called like no penalties, nothing. You made it through <laughs> three periods of blues versus predators, no penalties, which was crazy. That is such and, a random thing to remember from a game. Like it's, I love that you were, I love that you remember that from that game. That's so weird. Oh, I remember I remember everything about that game. And it was it was zero zero went into overtime. Nothing happened in overtime. It went to the shootout. No one scored in the shootout until David Legwan scored the game winner in like round four or five. It was the most random, random thing. Sounds like uh, nothing happened. Yeah, that, that's that's <laughs> and you crazy. still felt and you still fell in love with it. That's great. Yeah, that's what's great. Like diehard soccer fans will tell you, like they enjoy zero zero games just as much as they enjoy like five four yeah. games like yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about hockey. And that, that was the night I really fell in love with the sport of hockey. I didn't really know anything about it before then. I went home and Googled everything about, I mean, obviously I knew who Wayne Gretzky was and I knew like Mark Messier and all, and all those, you know, the but big players from, that you would. You're from the Northeast though, right? Like you didn't grow yeah, up. Yeah, I, lived in, I lived in New York. So I was familiar with the Rangers and, and like I said, Wayne Gretzky and, and a lot of the, the big players that you hear about a lot, but I didn't know too much about hockey other than just like going to a random Rangers game when I was like six or seven. Yeah. um it's a good place so yeah, to that's... go good place to go to a hockey game when you're six or seven though yeah that, that was my yeah. first my first ever sporting event as a human being was was uh was shea stadium um where the mets played when i like in 1987 my second ever sporting event was at madison square garden watching the rangers when because I, I grew up a rangers fan and um when i was with my father and that was i was you know probably the same age like five or six so I feel good, like if good, you're a sports fan, if you're a sports fan, Madison Square Garden should be on your bucket list to, yeah. to check it off at least once before you're done going to games in person. But that was when I really kind of fell in love with the sport of hockey. Um, like you said, I'm not I'm not a fan of the Predators. I am a fan of hockey, and it's it's fun to be able to. There's nothing like covering the NHL as a beat writer, and I'm not like a typical beat writer for the Predators, like Vingan was or like Paul Scribina is, where that's their only beat. That's all they do. I had to balance Preds with Titans, Vanderbilt, Nashville, C, and everything else. But hockey, the Preds specifically, I, I just really have, have grown to enjoy the people, the random conversations at like the Bellevue Sports Rink or uh, randomly at um, uh, the Antioch Ice Center and stuff like that. Like covering the SECHC tournament when you used to come here, shooting photos and stuff for that for, for Bradford. Just random people would come up and just be like, hey, man, I really enjoyed the story that you wrote. And like the, the conversations that just come organically just from people that know you as a writer, enjoy your reading, your writing and stuff. And then you just talk about hockey and stuff. I feel like hockey is just a sport that bonds people more so than any other sport I've, I've covered. Um, covering the NFL is a lot of fun as well. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've immensely enjoyed my four years covering the Titans. Um, but there's just something about hockey that it's just like, I don't know. It just, it, it bonds people like no other sport I've, I've ever seen. And I really enjoy talking to the people. I enjoy my interactions with Preds fans. It's, it's fun checking in at Bridgestone Arena, walking up to the press box, and you're getting off the elevator and walking over into the concourse and someone walks by and they're like, oh, hey, Michael. And you don't know who they are, but you know that they know you from Twitter and stuff. And it's just, it's a lot of yeah. fun. I, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed covering the team. I've enjoyed getting to meet fans and readers and stuff like that. And it's something that I, I want to continue doing in my professional career. Um, so hopefully you guys will enjoy reading my stuff with the, the next stop I go to. And it's hopefully Predators coverage is something I will be able to keep doing for a while.
Well, and I think baseball's kind of turned into this because it's almost gotten less popular. And I don't think it's necessarily the popularity thing, but baseball guy loves just chopping it up, talking baseball. Yeah. Uh, hockey guy loves just chopping it up, talking hockey. Soccer guy loves just sitting around, chopping it up. And it feels like the NFL fans, the SEC fans, and and NBA fans, for some reason, it feels like there's just a lot of yelling. <laughs> like it's it's all about arguing about the goat, and it's it's it seems so important, you know. And I love football. Yeah. I love the the SEC is my favorite sport, but like because I think it's because soccer and hockey aren't as popular. There's not like huge media throngs, especially in the south, especially in the southeast. I mean, in Montreal and Toronto, it's 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 enormous. You got the huge media throngs, and it's like covering an SEC football game or a, a EPL soccer match. Like there's places where it gets huge. But I think it's just because it's more of a smaller fraternity. And I, I think you're right. Like when I started working at 102.5, it's the first time I ever started covering the Preds. And there's just a different vibe of interaction with fans than with Titans fans or NFL fans or football fans or SEC fans where everything is so serious. Everything's super serial, Michael. I don't know why everything's so serial. <laughs> and and it, But it feels like even the sports conversations, like outside of the the, the media and the coaches and stuff, which are also way more serious, Although I will say Laviolette definitely exuded that that same level of like, th- this is like uh, this is Langley, this is CIA. These are CIA secrets. We can't we can't just like he took it very seriously, and I get it. It's a big time job, but like, I would love to have seen Peter Laviolette drunk just once. <laughs> I did have a drink with him one time at uh, one of the the, the Vegas things. Uh, chatted with him for about five minutes, and it's like even away from the ice, he was still Peter Laviolette. <laughs> Peter Laviolette. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I just I, maybe that's what it is. I think that's an interesting observation, and I'm glad that you're on on with this show with us uh, for a little while here, at least, and if at, at the minimum, maybe for longer. And of course, we'll see what happens. Um, I think if, something else too that, that I was just thinking of as you were talking is like, yeah, there's hockey coverage and there's Preds coverage in the city, but there's there's I've been in the press box for the Preds for what the last nine years. There's there's one row of like actual local reporters. So you get about seven or eight actual local reporters that are there regularly. You're in a Titans press box. There's like 60, oh, 70 yeah. people all yeah. over the place. Yeah. There's there's at least 15 local reporters. Some of them, multiple people work for the same outlet and stuff like that. So, and, and look, I, I understand Titans, Vols, Vanderbilt baseball, stuff like that. That's what gets people to tune in on the radio. 104.5 doesn't really talk about the Predators very much at all. They, they or, kind or, of or Van, like, don't put Vanderbilt baseball in there, big guy. Come on. When Vanderbilt's been in the postseason, Titans, Vols, SEC. It's Titans. I I get it, but when Vanderbilt baseball is playing in the postseason, they talk about it a little bit more than they do if the Predators are in the Uh, playoffs. Only, only because they're all a bunch of Tennessee grads. And Uh, and one hundred two five is is the the flagship of the Predators, so they have to talk about it. But I still think there could be more (laughs) done uh, at one hundred two five with Preds coverage. Maybe go out and you get a couple more people that are actually experienced and, and know about hockey that can have intelligent conversations. But I, but I do think that, and I think that's why a lot of fans are so angry now is because there's just, they, they, they look at the broadcasters like Willie and Hal and they, they call them homers and stuff like that. And they, they, they're like, well, these are the only guys that are really talking about hockey that much. It's, I I think Predators coverage is something that there's a lot of room to expand and grow. And I've kind of enjoyed that for the last four years at the post being at the forefront of that being, I pride myself on being one of the top Predators reporters. I try to bring as much content and news and, and information about the team uh, i put on twitter the other day i asked what the biggest gap is in preds coverage I got a lot of great feedback from from fans and listeners being like this is what i want to see i, I get that a lot what, of it is like hey bring the, out a vegan back but I, I was gonna say what was the number one besides besides the voice <laughs> I, I think the number one thing i got multiple people said that they they want more information on injuries and i i tried to explaining uh, like it's just yeah. not going to happen that's just yeah. the way the nhl is but i understand I, I think they they at least want someone asking, "Hey, give us an injury update." Because there's, I think, I think that's the thing now is there's not a lot of questions going on about injuries and stuff. Um, I think another thing too that was a, a popular answer was more video, some more feedback after uh, morning skates and practices and stuff like that. So just typical okay. things right. that that I think any fan should should they're not out of you know yeah not out of line for asking and stuff. So I, I just really enjoyed that part of it. Well, um, and I think you're great at the prospects stuff too in the development camp. I think you do a great job with that. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about the prospects today on the show. And then of course, uh, through the draft process, uh, you'll be involved heavily. So, 
Um, looking forward to to keeping you around. Um, and and yeah, hockey guy, uh, come along with us. And if you like, uh, if you need more audio, you know, it's all your fault. And Gold Standard are pretty good options. I feel like. So if you ever talk okay. to another Preds fan who's like, man, I just don't get enough. I think you should recommend us and maybe rate us and review us as well. So uh, subscribe, you know, all that great stuff. Um, we'll get to the top 10 prospects as uh, ranked by the Nashville Post. I've got a couple of conspiracies here to get to and then like a team we can all adopt. But quickly, the the, the basically the best two options as of Friday morning, they lose to, to Vancouver, the Predators, they lose to Arizona and they they did. They looked against against Arizona. They looked like a team that just has none of its best players healthy. They just traded a bunch of their best players. Um, they lose to a rookie goaltender who makes like 39 saves. Um, it's like the worst team in hockey, basically, and they and they lose. Uh, I will say when you crunch the numbers and you kind of look at the math of it all, and, and I think the two options are like hoping out for hope that you somehow go on some crazy run in a really difficult schedule and somehow figure out, even though you've sold all your pieces and the, and the guys are injured, that you figured out a way to get into the playoffs and you give yourself and you give your fans in this city probably one playoff series, best case scenario, right? Yeah. Okay. So one playoff series is best case scenario. Um, Best case scenario for the draft, if you really truly kind of like look at it and look at the numbers and look at the race for the lottery, it's really, I don't know what you think, but I think the the best case scenario is probably eighth or ninth in the standings because you got Detroit at 10 currently with 67 points, Buffalo at 11, 68, Washington, 69, Predator, 69. Nice, nice. Um, Ottawa's at 70, Florida's at 70. So you got like five or six teams that are all within a couple of points. The Predators could easily, in a tough schedule without their best players, jump to the top of that list or the bottom, however you want to define it. And and that puts them basically at number ten. Then it's the Blues are six points ahead, or, or uh, ahead in the lottery, behind in the standings of Detroit at number nine. Philadelphia's got fifty nine points. Like there's a bit, there's kind of a gap there. And if the best case scenario, if they lose everything, is is the tenth slot in the draft in theory, versus one playoff series, what do you want? Which is better? The the 10th pick in the draft or a playoff series? I think you could honestly make the case that the playoff series is more valuable to fans and just more fun because I don't think the 10th pick in the draft is I mean, it, it doesn't get you up into the top six or seven. You know, I don't I, I think they're gonna have a hard time getting to that top five or six, seven spot. Yeah, no, I get that. And I I forgot where I was looking at some draft site the other day. I think it said like best case scenario projecting off of, of how the Predators have played, I think they're on pace for around 80 to 82 points. And I think it's a, like best case scenario, they could they could go as high as seventh, I believe. They're they're not going to get into the top five probably. Right. Unless they just unless they lose their final 20 games. And obviously that's a possibility. But and, and look, out of the remaining 20 games, 14 of them are against playoffs playoff teams. And of the six that aren't playoff teams, two of them are on the bubble. So you're looking at 16 of 20 games against teams that have something to fight for right now. There's a very real chance that the Predators could lose most of those games and end up with a top 10 draft pick. And I, I had this debate on It's All Your Fault last year with Hirt before he left. And it's we're saying the same thing this year that we did last year. My question is, what good does making the playoffs do? Yes, you, you, you get the revenue from the extra two home games and playing in the postseason. You get some more fans out there. It's something fun to do. But with as many fans that have checked out on this team this year, is the revenue that you're going to bring in from those two games really going to be all that much? It's going to make well, that much of a difference. I don't even care about that. It's just like if you just get like the Carolina series from a couple of years ago, it, that's just like that was just that's the reason you're a sports fan is like to be entertained for two weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah, that that was entertaining because the Predators had a, a much better team than they do now. And they they, <laughs> they made it a series. It was, they still lost four to two. But it was they weren't there wasn't any one particular game where they were just completely out of it. I feel like if they get into the playoffs this year, especially I mean, you're you're fielding a team out there with Michael McCarron, Cole Smith, Kiefer Sherwood, John Leonard and Rasmus Asplin. You you get into the playoffs. <laughs> say you somehow sneak up on Winnipeg and you and you get the final wild card. Spot. Who, who, who but and part of the only reason we're having this conversation is because Winnipeg is totally shitting the bed. Like exactly. Yeah. Like that's the part of that's the one of the main reasons Calgary did nothing. And they don't, they have a 33% chance of making the playoffs. The Preds have a 25% chance of making the playoffs. Everyone else in the Western Conference is at less than 1%. Uh, 
So it's basically Calgary or Nashville. Can they chase down Winnipeg who is, you know, pooping on themselves. And I think, uh, and again, Winnipeg still has like a, like a 78% chance of making the playoffs. So it's not a very good chance, but yeah, I don't feel confident that, that this roster right now can, can make up a six point difference in 20 games, but say you somehow catch Winnipeg and they the have, oh, sorry, card sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt. They also have three games in hand with Winnipeg too. Like they yes. played three, they've got, they played three less games than Winnipeg. So I it, we'll see. Keep going. Sorry. But yeah, making up a six point difference in 20 games. Say, say you catch Winnipeg, you get the final wild card spot. And that's assuming you're holding off Calgary as well. Your, your draw when you get into the playoffs, you're either going to play probably Vegas or Dallas. Those are the two worst possible matchups for this team because Dallas has Nashville's number. They have for years. And Vegas just plays too fast, too well. They're too, they're too gifted. The Preds cannot keep up with, with either of those two teams. So if you get into the playoffs this year, it's going to look a lot like the Colorado series last year. And we saw how this team, how this fan base spiraled after they got shellacked in four games and we saw the, the sky was falling, all this stuff. It's going to be the same thing this year. So what good does making the playoffs get you when you can, if you can, I'm not saying go out and purposely lose games, but if you're feeling the roster that played last night and you're having a hard time keeping up with the Arizona Coyotes, you're not going to beat many of the teams that you have left. If you end up with a first know, round pick I know. That, that's in the top 10, that is better for your franchise. Okay. And I, fa- I found a stat that backs that up. Of the 70 first-round picks between 2009 and 2019, 10-year span, of the 70 first-round picks that have made an all-star team taken in that 10 years, 47 of them, 67%, were drafted in the top 10. There's a case for being case to be made that getting a top 10 draft pick is better for this franchise than making the playoffs and being one and done. And, and a reminder, it's a lottery, so if they finish number 10, they'll have the 10th best odds, but they could yes. actually, you could, in theory, move... Based on statistical probability, you you in theory could jump up. You have to be in the top. You can only move up 10 spots. So if they yeah. finish 11th, the highest they can go is two. If they finish 12th, the highest they can go is three, so on and so forth. And as I, small I, as those odds are, there still is a tiny there's there's a tiny chance that if they get into the top, say they get ninth, there's a t- there's a tiny little chance they could potentially get the first pick. I, I agree. And what I think, but what I think the best case scenario in your brain has to be is all right, they're gonna finish ninth or tenth worst in the NHL finish ninth or 10th in the lottery. And then maybe they jump a couple of spots in the lottery process and they pick sixth or seventh. Like, I think that is the best case scenario. Uh, and that would, only, that would be the, great for them because the top 10 is loaded this year. Yes. Yes. The argument, the other way though, that you have not mentioned here is the difference, the difference between last year's series and this year's series, assuming Parsonen's back healthy, Forsberg's back healthy, Carrier maybe is back healthy. The, the difference between last year and this year is very obvious and is number 74. And that's the difference. The reason they were in the Carolina series, number 74. Like, it is you, if you've got 74, and I can't believe I'm the guy sitting here making the case for the playoff run here because I'm not. I can't not. believe you are either. I'm not. I'm just saying that those are – I think we need to be realistic about the actual two choices, right, which is get get beat in a fun and entertaining first-round series, best-case scenario, or other best-case scenario, maybe you finish ninth or 10th in record, worst record, and, that, and then best-case scenario, maybe you move up a spot or two in the lottery – so I think we just want you to be clear about sort of like the actual What's amusing to me is this, scenarios. this is the exact scenario two weeks ago that fans were bitching about that they didn't want. How many people were saying, I'm tired of being a one and done playoff team. I'm tired of just getting to the playoffs. I want to see change. Well, but I think it's OK now. I, this is the beauty of the being the seller. You've it's sold not it. OK now. If it no, wasn't no, OK on. two weeks ago, why no, is it no, no, OK no. now? Because there's no pressure. There's no there's no assumption of victory. There's no. If you would if you would have bought a bought a player, even like a a third defense, third pairing defenseman, or a fourth line winger, or whatever, you went and got a player at the deadline. You didn't trade anything. You didn't acquire any future assets. You'd be going into that series having to win. You would have to win that series to justify all the decisions you did or did not make. This is the this is all house money at this point. Like it's totally house money. Like you get a you 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 get into a playoff series with a hot UC Soros, and you've been a seller this whole time. It's there's no pressure to win. No one's expecting you to do anything. I would expect them to get blown out. And so that anything that happens that's good is like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> like to me, it's all about the perception. And you've also acquired all the draft picks like the, and cleared cap space and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think and, to, and I to, get that. But but I mean, look, let's be realistic. Ryan Johansson's out for the rest. Of the I, season. I, I know Philip Forsberg's going to come back. He's been out for weeks. The same thing with, with Alex Carrier. Like even if you get these really good players back, there's still no guarantee they're going to play as well as it did before they get injured. There's a lot of things that have to go right for this to happen. And I feel like if you're a fan of this team, okay. the best thing to do is to root for, for what happened 
maybe a little bit more entertaining, more entertaining game than the Arizona game, but root for for more Arizona games. You want more losses to stack up to get a higher draft pick. I, I agree. I agree. I just, I think they can jump like three or four teams pretty quickly and go from like 12th or 13th to like ninth or 10th. But then after that, they're going to have to really suck. To, to get any higher than that because it's not going to be it's not going to be difficult you have 16 of your final 20 games against teams that are either no, in the playoffs right. or fighting for a playoff spot you're right and you have john leonard on your top line and Kiefer sherwood on your second line it's not going to be that difficult uh okay all right so i just wanted to i want to lay out the two extreme ends of the spectrum for people to sort of make their own decision because i see both sides I, i'd be fine with somebody saying look you know what i've already got all the future capital We've made the transition from David Boyle to Barry Trotz. Like they've done all the things I want them to do. And oh, by the way, I get a playoff series with UC Saros. Maybe we got a chance to have some fun games that create entertainment deep into into the the month, you know, into May or whatever. So I understand that argument. I'm with you. I would prefer them lose every single game and and get like, you know, try to finish like sixth or something, and then maybe the lottery puts you up at like four, maybe. But again, that's that's like best possible case scenario. Our guess worst case scenario. Um, all right. Uh, by the way, go to Jasper's, of course, support local business. They're a great supporter of ours. So go to Jasper's, um, go eat over there. Great specials during these Preds games. The NCAA tournament coming up, NFL draft, all this great stuff. So go over to Jasper's uh, and hang out with our great, awesome friends over there on West End. The parking is free. The food is amazing. It's the next evolution of the sports bar. All right. Speaking do, you, of the- do you remember what the deal was I made a couple weeks ago? I said if something did or didn't happen, I'd go to Jasper's and I would I would take pictures. I don't remember I don't, what it was. I, I don't even uh, I don't even know. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it. I feel like it was trade deadline related. I, it was like if John Hines is fired or something, you'll go. Yeah, I don't I don't remember. <laughs> I'm going to go um, back and listen and find it. Either way, I, f- I feel like I'm due for a Jasper's trip. All right. One, we'll get to the top 10. Uh, I think you definitely are. Uh, one, uh, <laughs> we'll get to the top 10 prospects in the farm system, sort of evaluate them at this point in the season. Um, I've got let, let's start with the lottery conspiracy because it's kind of what we're just talking about with the lottery. So if you look at the teams that are competing, that have the best chances right now, of getting the number one overall pick. Columbus is first. Chicago is second. San Jose's third. Anaheim is four. Arizona's five. Montreal six. Vancouver seven. Uh, I, there, here, here's my conspiracy. What what do Arizona, Anaheim, San Jose, and Columbus have in common? Just in general. They're all terrible teams. Well, yes, that's true. I don't think they're particularly big brands and big markets that you want Connor Bedard in if you're the NHL. You know where you would want Connor Bedard if you're the NHL and you're Gary Bettman? Let me guess. You're going to say Chicago. Montreal or Chicago. I guarantee you Montreal or Chicago wins the lottery and it's all a conspiracy theory and it's all I I guarantee it. I guarantee you do not want to get a generational talent and this is going to tie into the team we should all adopt by the way. You can't put it. Nobody in the NHL wants the generational talent in Arizona, Anaheim, or San Jose. Like no one's going to ever watch that guy. <laughs> uh, maybe Columbus. Maybe Columbus is a big enough town. It's a big enough city. Maybe Eastern Market, Eastern Conference. Maybe Columbus. But don't tell me the NHL is not rooting hard as hell for either Montreal number one and really Chicago number two. For I'd be Bedard okay with Connor time. Bedard going to Montreal. I would. I would not be okay with Connor Bedard going to Chicago just because. I don't is like it, Chicago. Is it a crazy a conspiracy? No, not at all. I. I totally. I think there's there's some smoke there, and I, I understand it. And I'm not. <laughs> right. I'm not going to come right out and accuse the NHL of rigging the draft lottery, but I would not be surprised. We should we should clip this and play it back whenever they hold the draft lottery <laughs> if Montreal or Chicago wins. And I and, I, and look, I. I understand wanting the generational talent to play in the big markets, but you, you send Connor Bedard to Columbus and he's playing next to Johnny Gaudreau and he's playing next to Patrick Laine. That's a hell of a line. And suddenly Columbus becomes a little bit more appealing as maybe being a Cinderella playoff team next year. It Columbus is one of the most forgettable Eastern conference teams as a market. And I don't say that because it's not a fun town or a fun city or, you know, I, I, you know what I'm not, it's not, a, I'm not trying to like be disrespectful. It's just very forgettable that it even exists in the NHL. Ohio is one of the most forgettable States in the United <laughs> States. I'll go, I'll go one better. Listen, I dated a girl from Ohio. I recommend everyone trying it. Uh, <laughs> it's, the, it's the best parties I've ever been to in my entire life. You're talking but, about it. Like it's pizza with pineapple. Everyone should try it. Once. I, every, but everyone in that state is batshit crazy. I'm just saying, <laughs> best parties i've ever been to man they're lovable people awesome fun but damn it's crazy 
crazy, crazy. But, but I will say, Connor Bedard in Montreal could be fun. There's there's a lot of history with the Canadians there. They they're I don't want to say they're a team on the rise, but they're clearly in a rebuild. I think Connor Bedard in Montreal would be fun to watch. There's nothing good about Connor Bedard going to Chicago. No one should be rooting for that. No, I am I'm obviously not on this show. I mean, obviously especially not especially given that this draft is ha- happening in Nashville. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Montreal is the one we should all be rooting for, but they're like sixth. They're they're sixth right now, so they don't have they have an outside chance. I, I was also in a rebuild when I was dating this girl from Ohio because it was like it was like the. <laughs> it was the, I had to go I had to go through the bad couple of seasons before I like met my wife and I was like oh th- this is this is the person I need to marry <laughs> Ohio was, the land of rebuilds re- I was in a rebuild uh <laughs> relationship wise love, love it was a love rebuild um uh, so this leads me to where I, the team we should all adopt in the western conference because we're going to watch the playoffs and obviously Boston is doing historic things um the records by the way just to keep an eye on them 132 points is the most points in a season by a team 77 78 Montreal Canadiens, uh, 62 wins is the record for a regular season. Boston has 49 right now at time of taping. Uh, that was the 95-96 Detroit Red Wings and actually the 18-19 Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, who actually, I think that's the one that didn't win the cup, right? Uh, 62 points or 62 wins is the record. So Boston's on this complete and insane tear in the in the East. It would be pretty surprising, up a huge upset statistically, whatever, if they didn't win the Eastern Conference and play in the Stanley Cup final. But here is the thing we should all be rooting for, for two major reasons, in my opinion. And you can tell me if I'm crazy. Predators fans need to adopt the Edmonton Oilers. Okay. Connor McDavid has 124 points. He's five points away from it being a top 50 scoring season of all time. This is arguably the best player of our generation, if not already the best player of our generation. And he still does not get coverage the way the NHL deserves to get coverage for its biggest star, probably because he's in Edmonton. But but this is a Canadian team with a superstar and, frankly, a second superstar. Now they have Matthias Ekholm, who we all love and we all want to root for. Even as reporters, it's easy to root for Matthias Ekholm. He always gave me good answers. He always took time to answer questions thoughtfully. He, 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 was, he was always waiting and willing and ready to, with a good answer. And a very, very smart, thoughtful dude. And I think rooting for Ekholm and rooting for Edmonton to get to the Stanley Cup final, to put Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on the national stage, I think it actually is one of the best things that could ever happen for the game of hockey. And I think having McDavid in the final with that skill against a potentially record-setting Boston team could be one of the most epic NHL finals we've seen. And I think it could grow the sport in a way that that, that that the game really needs. And I think I think it's easy for I don't know about you guys. Maybe we all hate Edmonton. Pecorine dominated Edmonton. I don't know. But I have no problem being like, you know what? I for some reason Vegas just doesn't appeal to me. I don't like that they're they got some nice players. It doesn't appeal to me. Certainly not rooting for anybody in the in the central division. I, I don't know like Winnipeg doesn't do it. I'm not none of these teams are in like Edmonton to me is the adopted team for the Nashville Predators. Matias Ekholm, Connor McDavid in the Stanley Cup final against Boston. That's what I want to see. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's, I think it's, I mean, look, you, you can certainly do a lot worse rooting for teams other than Edmonton in the playoffs, but I do think, I don't think Dreisaitl and McDavid are snubbed as much in the national media as you probably do, but I, I, I think for the NHL, that's best case scenario featuring your best player in the league right now and another player that's also probably in the top five. I think it's I think it's the best thing for the league is to get them on TV, primetime TV, national stage as much as you can. Um, obviously, with uh, with Matias Ekholm on there, too, you, Preds fans should root for them as well. You want to see him get a cup. You want you obviously want the best for him because he left on good terms. He was beloved by everyone in the city and stuff. But I think I, I, I don't disagree with anything you said, but also there, you also got to think of it, too the better Edmonton does, the worse your first round draft pick from them is. I don't know if, if how petty fans are with that kind of thing, <laughs> but if say Edmonton goes and wins the cup, your first round pick from Edmonton all of a sudden is the last pick of the first round this year. That's it might fair. as well be a second round pick. So that's a small, that's a, that's a good angle. It, that's smart. That's smart. That's a smart retort. I get yeah, so obviously, I get obviously from the NHL's perspective, get Edmonton on TV as much as you can, more exposure for, for dry sidle and McDavid. You'd love to see Ekholm go out and win a cup. Um, but so, someone else, I, I, another team I would throw out there too, 
maybe controversial. I I say root for Seattle, man. How how fun uh, would that be? That would be number two on my list, absolutely. Just because yeah. Seattle wasn't supposed to be good this year. They were a team that that their very first season they weren't very good. They they make a couple free agent signings and they promote Matty Beniers and he's out there and he's probably going to win the Calder. Ellie Tolvanen's out there tearing it up. Like Seattle taking everything out of context or whatever. Just watching Seattle play hockey is fun because they're fast. They're very speedy. They play the game in a, in a different way. Something I, I love about them, I forgot who I was listening to, um, but they're talking about Seattle, and they were like, the, the thing that makes them dangerous is they don't have a typical first, second, third, fourth line. They mix their players up a lot, and their their first line will look a lot different in game one than it will in game, like, 17. Well, so they, it's, it's a they, lot. It's a, they're a lot of fun to watch just the way that they yeah. play hockey. And, and and frankly, I think they have one of the most visually aesthetically pleasing uniforms in all of sports. Like it's the, one of the best expansion uniforms of all time in any sport. So I think I think you're you're right. I would love to watch uh, that. They're a fun team, man. They really are a lot. A lot of good young players. A lot of speed. So I think the Tolvanen thing will give some people some PTSD, but like that's that's fine. I'm with you. Seattle would be number two. I the, like I, other teams just don't do it for me. Like the Kings, nah, it just doesn't. Do, they, these teams, they, they just don't do it for me. I I think it's about. Connor McDavid has 124 points, dude. We have 20 games left to go in the season. Like he could have a 150 point season. And just for context, the Predators' all-time single season points record up until last year was 86. They have two players above that already. Dry Saddle is number two in the league. I think he has 97 points. Like 124 points. That's do you know how they got those two players by drafting in the top 10? (laughs) That's that's right. I just think that the sport, more people come to the Stanley Cup final than watch any other piece of hockey. And Connor McDavid deserves that platform, that he is a good enough talent and a generational talent that he deserves that platform. And to see Ekholm potentially fight for a cup would be great. Uh, I just think also they're the other division. It's easier to root for them. Uh, I agree. Yeah. But you're right. But you're right. The draft pick is a factor. So I just thought, look, I'm a, I, I think there's an NHL conspiracy to get to get Connor Bedard to Chicago or Montreal, probably Chicago, unfortunately. And I think that we should that, that we should all be adopting the Edmonton Oilers. That's my pitch today on the show. So there you go. What do you think? <laughs> Not bad. All right. Uh, okay. Um, let's let's dive into these top ten prospects. You can follow along on the Nashville Post. So you ranked them, the top 10 prospects, sort of follow. It's not really following the year. It's not end of year, but it's pretty close. Uh, and of course, yeah. we've got a new one uh that we need to to slide into those rankings <laughs> if you look at um, what's going on in, it uh, with uh, what Reed Schaefer, right? Acquiring him uh, in the trade. So we've got to slide him in there. Let, let's start at number 10 and work our way up to number one. Or do you, do you want to start with number one? Who, who did you, where do you want to go? It's your list. It's the national post. This is not like, you know, this is not, you know, called from the athletic or anywhere else. This is all Michael Gallagher's brainchild here. Uh, we can, we can start with 10 and work our way up. That way we're not giving away the, the best part, I guess. Okay. All right. Let's start at number 10. Um, and it's interestingly enough, the only defenseman in in, <laughs> in this group, Ryan Ufko, uh, at the University of Massachusetts. He does have some offensive skill, but uh, what do you make of his season? And again, you still have him in the top 10. So at least there's one defenseman. Yeah, I mean, normally Nashville is pretty well stocked with blue chip defensive prospects, but they have they have they have some solid depth at defensemen. Unfortunately, they're not top 10 material i mean semiam shastakyov i'm butchering that spencer stasty mark del Gaizo, uh casper kulanami like they have some depth at defense they're just not those attention grabbing prospects but i mean look up i think ufco could be someone who can potentially be a third line maybe a second pairing defenseman but he's probably a third pairing defenseman um he's kind of that that stereotypical offensive defenseman that the predators like um he had eight goals and 24 points in 32 games at UMass this year. Uh, two seasons in the NCAA, 13 goals, 55 points in, in 69 games. Um, I think he's he's someone that like you could maybe get a little bit excited about. But uh, I think I, I said he's more realistically a Ryan Ellis type player on a third pairing. And that's that's kind of what the vibes I get from the little bit of film I've watched on him and stuff like that. Um, he's not he's, he's really, not a big guy, right? No, I th- he's he's under six footer. He might be around six foot, I think. Yeah. Um, but when he, he really excels at reading plays, he's really good with puck possession. Um, he's really quick and fluid with his decision-making. He's calculated with where he goes with the puck and, and everything he does. Um, I feel like he's got a really high hockey IQ, which is why I think he, out of all the Predators defensive prospects that they have, I think he's probably the best bet to make it to the NHL. 
but you're probably looking at a third pairing defenseman, maybe second pairing. Uh, number nine, Igor Afanasiev, of course, uh, the 22-year-old Russian, big old guy, 6'4", 212, 215. I think he can score some goals. I think this guy is like, what, the next Yakov Trenin probably, right? Like that's kind of, if you think about a prospect, he's probably maybe a bigger version of Yakov Trenin. Yeah, I think the Trenin comparison is is a really good one. Um, he's what he's I think he's six four, two hundred and twelve pounds. Like he's he's the prototypical power forward. Um, he dropped a little bit last year when I did my prospect rankings. I had him fifth. I have him ninth this year. Um, but look, last year the the Admirals coaching staff wanted Afanasiev to be to play with more of an edge, to be grittier, to have that physical stuff. And he's just a nice guy. He's like, look, it was hard for me because I'm I don't I'm not I'm not mean on the ice. They made him. So they made him, but they highly encouraged him to learn how to play that way. Did really well. And now this year, he's uh, it feels like he's focusing more on the offense because that's what he was known for before. He was crash the net, chipping chip the, the puck kind of guy. Um, 13 goals, 26 points, 55 games. So obviously, he's he's no not the offense isn't where it was when he was drafted before. But look, 6'4", 212 pounds. I think he could be a really good power forward on the third or fourth line. I, I would say the Yakov Trenin comparison is a good one with maybe he has maybe a little bit higher upside as a scorer. Uh, that's what I was going to say. I think you could get he, best case. He could be a 20 goal scorer, like 18 to 22 goals. Um, but like, that's, that's about it. Like, I don't, I don't think you can get that's That's best case scenario. Um, but again, it, big old dude that wants to, you know, do the dirty work. That's what they need too. you got to have some of those guys, uh, number eight on the yeah. list. And, and I'm surprised he's kind of this low considering what we've seen so far, but, but, uh, I'm curious how you evaluate like NHL production when you're doing a prospect. And so you've got number eight, Yuso Parsonen. We kind of already know a lot about this guy because he's he's played so much uh, in the NHL, at least this year. I'm, I'm curious, do you use what you've seen in the NHL as part of the evaluation of the prospect ranking? Because I don't feel like that's normally what, what you do in like any sport. Does that make sense? Yeah, so the, I think the reason why Parsonen, I have him eighth, is because most of this was based off of what he did before he was called up to Nashville. Um, I think if I were to go back and amend this now, based off of his body work in the NHL, I'd probably move him up to six, then I'd move six and who have six and seven down. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, before That's he fair. got called up, he had nine points of 10 games with the Admirals. He was a seventh round draft pick. He kind of really rose through the ranks and he did a lot of, a lot of the reason why people were talking about this kid was the work he did in development camp and the rookie showcase. He really impressed. 42 games with the Preds, though, five goals, 23 points. He's proven that he can play in the NHL. He can center a top six line. He can center a bottom six line. And Philip Forsberg, I, I put this in my story, said he looks like he's been doing it for 10 years. He's a he's a solid. He's never going to be a high-end kind of caliber player in the NHL, but he's someone I, I I would compare him maybe to Colton Sissons. He can play any forward position up and down the lineup, but I think there's there's probably a little bit more higher upside with Parson than with Sissons. Well, I mean, his 46-point pace this year is already better than anything Sissons has ever done. I mean, yeah. I, I, if, he, if he's a 50-point player, I, that, I think that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good – that's a guy who can play top two center if you need him to, probably more of a third-line center. But, like, really, that's – 50 points is pretty solid uh, for, yeah. a team that, for a team that <laughs> rarely gets production from its centers. Um, Reed Schaefer, number seven. I, this is a little high for me on him, but I, I know why you like him. And and I'm gonna let you deliver your comparisons for the six three two hundred fifteen pound like very specific direct player, um, but I've got another comparison I want to throw at you after you after you do your spiel here. Yeah, I, I put him at seven, and I I think that's that's probably fair. I mean, look, he was the number four prospect for Edmonton, and Edmonton their their pipeline's not as deep as Nashville. You're talking Edmonton, I think, was like twenty something, and Nashville's ten, uh, according to the Athletic. Um, but I, I think Reed Schaefer projects maybe best case scenario, second line player, second or third line is probably about where he is, but he's 6'3", 215 pounds. And the one thing I've seen from scouting reports and the video I've watched on him, like he's really good at going to the net. And I, I think I put in there, he could be a nice mix of, of, of James Neal and Patrick Hornquist. I think he could be a power forward like James Neal did, maybe 20 to 30 goal potential. Um, but I feel like he's he's going to do what Patrick Hornquist used to do and park himself in front of the net, piss the goalies off, and he's really good <laughs> at chipping in those goals in the areas that the Predators don't have a lot of players that like to go there. Victor Arvidsson did it. He got hurt, and it just didn't work out for him. He had to change the way he played. I think Schaefer's big enough that he could kind of take that beating, but 26 goals, 52 points in 48 games in the WHL this year. Um, he's also playing on a loaded Thunderbirds team as well, but I think he has the ability to play up and down the lineup as well. I think he probably settles in on the second or third line. 
Um, and I think that's that's exactly what Nashville needs because you're looking in a couple of years, the makeup of this team is going to be different. I don't know if John Hines gets let go after this year. I don't think they're going to continue sticking with this physical identity that they're trying to play with. So, I mean, it's nice to have somebody like that, but also like he's diverse. He can score goals. You can put him pretty much anywhere you want. It, uh, some of the th- some of your reading your scouting report reminds me of Craig Smith. I don't know if he's got the same speed and sort of like out in open space kind of player that Craig Smith was, but Craig Smith was sort of like the way he scored goals was like a direct. We're gonna we're gonna drive the net fast, speed, pace, and shoot. <laughs> and maybe he's not the same as Hornquist who wanted to sit in front of the net, but um, I, I mean Craig Smith was not like that. But the same like six three two fifteen. That's basically Craig Smith. Um, so I think you're right. You're probably better at more accurate with the James Neal Hornquist comparisons, but, um, I, I'm, I'm curious about his speed, uh, how fast he isn't is. too far off. I think, I think Smith probably is a little bit faster than Schaefer. I haven't watched yeah. a lot of, of yeah. tape on Schaefer, but I, I think, I think Craig Smith was better at using his speed to his ability, where Schaefer knows that like, he's a big guy, like he's going to use that yeah. to the best yeah. of his ability. Uh, it's interesting. There's a lot of, uh, you see the phrase could be a settled, you know, like at second, third line talent. Like what they're doing is they're, they're going at it with as many possible options so that like one or two or three of them hit. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what they're doing with their, with their strategy here. Uh, number four, Fedor Svechkov. Um, don't look at the stats on this guy. Don't, six, don't not, six, not four. Uh, no, no, sorry. Number six. What did I say? Did I said number four on the list. Number yeah. six on the list. We're I'm jumping ahead here. Um, <laughs> don't look at the stats on this cat. Yeah, he uh, and and the thing with him too is, you feel bad for him. He he started the year in the KHL with SKA Saint Petersburg. He he got moved to Spartak Moskva. Terrible nice. with Russian stuff. Um, but since he since he switched teams, he's he's playing. I think around fourteen minutes a game. Um, he's he's working on his two way play, and I and I think he he's not a big stats guy. But I think the thing that the team loves about him, and from a couple of the scouts I've talked to about him. He may not be much of a scorer, but he is one of the smarter defensive forwards in the KHL, and they think that that's a trait that will translate to the NHL. Um, I, gotcha. I put that he could he could be the ideal future anchor of a third line, maybe a fourth line. Um, and I think he's not going to wow you with goals. He's not going to wow you with assistant points. But he's kind of – think of Jonathan Taves and how good he is as a two-way player. I think that's the best-case scenario, like the defensive part of his game for Svechkov. He's not going to put up – Taves like points, but he's going to be that that kind of anchor that it's he's going to he's going to be a stabilizing presence on whatever third on the third or fourth line he plays on. Basically, he's not going to put up points, but I don't think the team drafted him for points. And I know they took him in the first round. and That was probably a little high and a reach on their part. And I thought it was on draft night, but I think he's someone he and LaRue were taken in the same draft. And I think that was when they were going all in on this, this physical, gritty nature type team they were trying to build and and who knows right. he, he might not have if they change coaches he might not have a future in nashville because they might move away from that identity he could be a, a piece in another trade and he could end up somewhere else yeah i, I think the citizens uh comparison seems like the most apt um when you're looking at like a, a comp statistically and, and kind yeah. of skill set wise and what they do i think that one's i think really best good. case scenario for svechkov is like 20 points a season maybe yeah yeah, I think that's right. Uh, number five, controversial here. Zachary LaRue, only suspended nine times um, the last three only. years. Just only nine times. Um, I think the key with me, but like clearly he's very good. Like he, I think the reason you have him at five is clearly he's very good. Um, 37 points in 24 games. Like he can play. The key is, can he take all of that um, aggression and use it and funnel it and channel it the correct way, which is like within the rules of hockey? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Common sense tells you when you're leaving the ice, you can't take your stick, put it between the boards or the glass yeah, and yeah. jab a fan with it. But I mean, nine suspensions in three years looks really bad. Hopefully this was a wake up call and someone with the Predators organization. I don't know what kind of leadership they have with, with the Halifax Mooseheads and the QMJHL. Hopefully someone in the Predators organization reached out to him and had a very stern talk. And like, I'm, I'm hoping that he's getting some counseling or coaching or whatever to, to channel that aggressive nature on the ice and leave it on the ice. Because, I mean, look, 18 goals, 37 points in 24 games. The, the kid is clear, clearly talented. He can be a scorer. He is physical. The Brad Marchand comparisons I do think is a good one for him. I think that could be the type of player he could be in the NHL if he doesn't self-destruct and, sab- and self-sabotage before he gets there. I think that's the only thing you're worried about. We saw it a little bit with Kevin Fiala years ago, flipping the bird to the fans, and there was a big thing. 
Kevin Fiala had to grow up a lot after that. And I think they, the Predators did a good job in trying to help him with that. But I think LaRue is, is very talented. He he very much is a top five organizational prospect, but I just worry about whether he's going to derail his own career before it gets started. Yeah, it's all it's all about turning it into some effective form of of, you know, again, you want aggressiveness, you want physicality, you want you need guys that are, as as Crispy calls them, fecal agitators like you. You need those guys on the team. Uh, you just got to I mean, clearly, I mean. <laughs> We joke, but like nine suspensions is a lot of suspensions. Yeah. <laughs> and it's he's, stuff he's like, for, for like cross-checking after the whistle and poking a fan with the right. stick. And it's 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 the right. it's bad right. stuff. He's, it's not he's, just he he went off and started swearing at somebody. Like he's going out and physically right. inducing violence on someone. He, he's a 19-year-old kid, so he's got to fix it. But it is it, it's possible. Uh number four on the list, Luke Evangelista, of course, two goals already. He's got what four points. Uh, in five games, he had an assist uh, uh, on uh, Thursday night against Arizona. Um, what 111 point season last year? What do we make of? I mean, he's obviously not far from the lineup, right? Like he's he's is in terms of like being a regular starting NHL player. I mean, he's he's up there now. So yeah, I mean, he's more of a, a playmaking forward than I think of a true pure goal scorer like Forsberg, but. 41 points in 49 games with the with the Admirals before he got called up. He had the 111 point 50 something goal season um, with the London Knights last year. Like the kid is a playmaker. He he's always in, he may not be scoring all the goals, but he's involved in the scoring a lot. Um, we we saw the the two goals he had the other night. The hit on Evgeny Malkin. I, I think I don't know if he has a full time role in the, with the Predators next season, but I think he's he's very close. He's probably yeah. a year or so away. Um, I do think it's great that he's probably going to play the remaining 20 games in Nashville to get that kind of seasoning, mm-hmm. that experience. I think it's very good for him. But yeah, uh, there's a lot to be excited about Luke Evangelista. I, I definitely think he is a top six forward. Um, I don't really know a good true pro comparison for him. Um, he, he, I would say you, you maybe know, a step below Philip Forsberg, maybe. he He's like a he's a taller Victor Arvidsson. I, I don't know, because he's not a big guy. Um, maybe, yeah. I, I think ideally for Evangelista, not the goal scorer, at, but... Yeah, you're looking at probably 20 to 25 goals, and you're probably looking at 60 to 65 points a year. Yeah, what I like about him is that he goes for 111 points in the OHL, gets promoted. He had 41 points in 49 games in the AHL after being promoted, gets gets promoted again to the NHL, and is and is contributing. Now, I, what what you you mentioned the Evgeny Malkin hit in in that in your piece, which I think is absolutely highlight real. What is I don't think this is lost on people. I think most people know this if they watch that play. The the stealing the puck off the boards pivoting around a defender deking another defender and then driving the net from from basically underneath the circle outside into the net and almost scoring the goal that that was that was probably even more impressive from a skill standpoint than a 183 pounder going out of Genny Malkin so yeah, they're, that's they're, probably they're, the most underrated part of his game is his offensive instincts yes it was a, it was a whoa 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 it's one of those where a kid does something and you go wait a second because Tomasino next on our list number three Philip Tomasino there's certain times where certain guys just do things and you go, oh, that's not a move most Predators prospects can make in the NHL. And Evangelista and Tomasino have both shown us some of that stuff already. Yeah, I have, I have Tomasino third. I, I still don't understand the decision to put him in the AHL, but I mean, I guess <laughs> an argument can be made that it did him some good. 12 goals, 32 points in 38 games. He was playing top six minutes there. Um, I, I feel like he's someone who... And I wrote this story what, two days ago yesterday. So he had two goals and six points in 10 games. He obviously he played last night. Um, but I, th- I think and he showed he can be a force on the power play. He's someone who can do a lot of good things. He's very creative in space. Um, he has a lot of speed. He, he's he's a, a prototypical top six forward. Um, I think he could be looking at regular top six minutes next year, especially if the way things are going, if, if they are going to try and mix more of the, the young players onto the roster next year. Um, but yeah, I think he's someone to be excited about. I think there was a lot of concern when he started the year in the AHL and then with the trade deadline stuff that he was going to yeah. be moved. But I think he's very much a part of the future of this team. Yeah, there's no there's no question about that. Um, I mean, obviously a star. And the last top two, of course, uh, everybody knows these guys. Uh, number two, Joachim Kemmel, uh, their first round pick from last year. Uh, just a, a guy that you you have been raving about this guy since the second they, he got drafted. Yeah, I, and look, his numbers aren't good this year. I'll just be honest. He's playing in Liga uh, with JYP, 12 goals, 15 points in 43 games. 
but I'm not I'm not too concerned about that. He's I believe he's 19. He's still likely two, maybe three years away from being NHL ready. But he has all the makings of what this team wants in a top six forward, I, even a top line forward. Um, he has the scoring ability. He can make a difference on the power play. I mean, he has really high hockey IQ. He has very quick hands. Out of all the players that the, the Predators have drafted, all the forwards the Predators have drafted with their high draft picks, none of them have really hit. Alex Radulov looked like he was going to be that guy, and he wasn't. I know Kevin Fiala, there was a little bit of relief with that. I think Kemmel has the possibility to be the first homegrown drafted forward to be a 30-goal scorer that the Predators, well, Patrick Hornquist was, but yeah, yeah. To, to be to be a true game-making, difference-making forward. Does Arvidsson count? Arvidsson counts. Yeah, home, but Arvidsson, he's, Arvidsson's he's did home, it for he's like... A home, he's a homegrown 30-goal scorer. Yeah, but Arvidsson did it for like three or four years. Hornquist did it for two years. Like, I, I think this guy, I think Kemmel could have staying power as a homegrown 30-goal oh, sure, forward. Sure, that's, sure. What I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Like, Arv, Arv, don't be, don't Hornquist be, did it, but... I was gonna say, don't be, uh, don't be knocking old, old Arvey, man. Come on, Arvey, hustle. Oh, I, I, look, I love me some Victor Arvidsson, but if if he could have taken that four years and made an entire career out of it, this it wouldn't even be close. But uh, that was the that was the downfall of Arvidsson. He can only do it for short periods of time. All right, everybody, go to Jasper's. We wrap up the show with Yaroslav Askarov, of course, the goaltending prospect for the Milwaukee Admirals, the n- former number n- number twelve, I believe, overall pick in the first round. Eleventh uh, overall pick in the first round. Um, one of the best goalie prospects in the entire world. I, I think what's most impressive about him is that he has been an all-star and is very, very good in the AHL in his first year away from Russia. I think you're in your first year in North America as a 20-year-old to be an all-star and to just produce at a high level. Not You don't have to be elite, but just show that like it's all kind of real in, in, in a new country where you don't know the language after going through everything he did to get out of Russia. like I just think the life situation for him to excel at what he's doing I find that to be very impressive. Yeah, I mean, it was a terrible situation in Russia when he came over. Doesn't know how to speak English very well. Igor Afanasyev was having to translate and do interviews for him. And now you look at him, he's an AHL all-star. He's fifth in the league in wins, 13th in goals against average, 15th in save percentage. Um, I think it's also interesting. He has a league high four assists for goalies. Um, (laughs) Is the third most shutouts. Uh, There's a lot thrown at him this year. He comes out of it an all-star. I mean, there's he's he's getting rave reviews from everyone in the organization. And usually when you have a highly touted prospect and you talk to scouts or people that coach him or whatever, they list the pros and the cons. There's not a lot of cons with Askarov. It's it's more of like usually when you're talking to someone about a prospect, they're like, oh, here's everything he does well. And here's like four things that he doesn't do well. When when you get to that point with Askarov, it's never he doesn't do these things well. We need to teach him to do these better. He's almost talked about in a different light. And there's I can't find anyone that has anything negative to say about him as a prospect, as a future and goal. I think the good thing is with Saros now, you're set up for the next two or three years that you can take your time. Let Askarov marinate in Milwaukee until he's fully ready. Come up and then you can either trade Saros to a team that needs goaltending and and get something back. Or if he runs out his contract, you don't have the pressure of re-signing him because you have you have the, the heir apparent in goal. I'd I'd like to have him up here before 24 years old. Again, he's 20 right now because I I just want to get that uh, get that career going. You know, I was talking to C Mace about him at the David Boyle press conference, and I just he said he's like, look, he's got a little bit more seasoning to go, but but it's all there. Like he's like, oh, it's it's just ridiculously obvious. Like it's all. There. I think everything he's um, done this year, if you give him a full year next year, he'll be ready by 2024. I I agree with that. So that so 21 year old year next year, 22 he could be in the NHL. And that works um, out because you have Saros with one year left on his contract, you can trade him and bring back some picks and prospects. Good trade chip there. Um I I will say the four assists thing you're talking about being leading the HL in assists. We saw that in his one game in Nashville where he is very willing to go out and play the puck. Oh yes. <laughs> like yes. He's very willing, which is fun to watch. I mean, it was a little, it was a little like, Whoa, what are you doing there? Big guy. Uh, sometimes that's the great but, thing about him. Fun. He, he has a personality. He may not speak English well, but he, his personality translates over. There's no language barrier with his yep. personality. He's, yep. he's bench pressing goal, uh, yep. goals yep. after shutouts and stuff. Like he's going to be a lot of fun yep. for the fan base to watch because he does have that fiery personality that I think this team really hasn't had since PK Subban. He's like a Dominic Hoshik personality and like a Pekka Rene body. It's yeah. it's uh and style of goaltending. So it's very it's very and something I like about funny. him too. Everyone loves Pekka Rene. I will say demeanor wise, like and and being humble. Askarov reminds me a lot of Rene in that instance. Is he's very humble. He 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 wants to deflect all the praise to his teammates, and I think that's something that a lot of fans will enjoy about him as well. 
All right, there you have it. The top 10 picks in Michael Gallagher's swan song article on the NashvillePost.com. So go check it out. Um, and, of course, I'll just say this on behalf of all Preds fans, uh, following your work, reading your work uh, over the last few years for uh, the scene in the post, uh, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. And you're not going anywhere on this show. So we'll talk next week to everybody. Uh, make sure you check him out at MG Sports underscore. He's not going anywhere. Still on Twitter. You and I are going to go down with the ship on Twitter, I feel like. <laughs> whatever, Sadly, whatever, yes. Whatever happens in uh, Elon's new town in Texas that he's going to start. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's my drug of choice, so you can get to me at Braden Gall as well. Uh, go go Oilers. Uh, don't, don't give Chicago Connor Bedard. And I guess we both are saying to everybody, lose every game the rest of the way. <laughs> so other than that, Jaspers. other than that, you can go to Jaspers. Thank you, Michael Gallagher. Excellent stuff. Uh, uh, otherwise, uh, have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next week. Make sure you check out It's All Your Fault as well. For Michael and Braden, thanks for hanging out with us. Share the show. Tell somebody about it. This has been the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network.